Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's New Stand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is April 9th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits with high hopes. Also adding a happy Easter from Isaiah's newsstand. Not that I, you know, really celebrate it too much these days, but, you know, to those who do, awesome. Let's see, uh, personal news. I mean, myself, I'm doing pretty good, especially all things considered. At a pretty f- active night, uh, was it uh, Saturday night? I wound up, well, I, I, we can actually do a little bit of food corner into what I, my day was. So I decided to go ahead and make burger, hot dog, fries, and fish sticks for like a little lunch. So I was going to hold me over. But I wasn't quite sure how exactly my night was going to go. I just knew I was probably going to go do some like north side hangs. My, um, a couple of my friends were doing some band stuff. So I got to see them. So like shout out to Automaton. Um, also, what were the other two bands? Speedball Belushi, which was crazy, and also Trash Night, but we'll get to all that in a second. So, food was good. Yummy, yummy, yummy in my tummy. Didn't eat anything, because like I said, I wasn't really sure, but I wind up getting there, and, you know, I get a, what is it, you know, a little high life, have a little, have a little bevy, a little beer, figured I'd start off, and uh, a shot of tequila. And I'm like, all right, good start. Nice. You know, some beers later and, you know, some fun, you know, raucous action. It was fun. It was, it was a good show. So I I definitely, because it, it's making me feel old. I mean, I'm only 32, whatever. But I realize, like, I don't want to even get as active as I used to in my, like, you know, late teens, 20s. Now I'm just like, I'm in the back. I'm not in the pit. I'm not even at the back of the pit. I'm like in the back. I'm chilling. I'm sitting for part of the show. But I mean, they literally played like Nightcrawlers, the game from Always Sunny. Like I had to get close. I had to see that. That was crazy. There were pool noodles, uh, paper everywhere, toilet paper launchers, Crazy show. I was not expecting that at Northside Tavern, so that was awesome. But, you know, I'm just having a good time. I'm not doing any mental drink math here. You know, I'm just having some brews. I'm kicking back. I'm having a good time. Then my friend, he gets done. He apparently there were Easter egg like drink tickets that had like you get a shot or you could get like a beer, whatever. So he had one for like humidor, humidor or something. I can't remember the name. Uh, and he gave it to me, and I was like, oh, cool, yeah, and I think that's when I kind of started realizing I was pushing it, and I was like, yeah, whatever, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, I'm a crasher, it's gonna be fine, like, I'm a crasher with my friends, it'll be cool, so, you know, I wind up doing that, but, um, in the process, we get back to the house, and there is an ice cream cake, and I'm like, yeah, I haven't eaten enough, really. Like, I know I haven't. I've, I've my, my whole food beer math is off. Tummy is not doing great, I know. And there was just this whole ice cream cake, like a cake ice cream thing situation. I don't know why I'm describing it like that. But it was yummy. It was good. It had M&Ms on top. I was like, oh, y'all crazy for this one, Rick. So 
you know, I eat it, I grub it down, and I'm thinking I'm going to do a little better. I'm going to tuck her out. We're watching some SVU. I was watching a little bit of, like, by myself after everyone turned in. And I just, like, immediately know that this isn't going to end well. Not just for, you know, this case potentially, but I mean for me. And I just, like, proceed to just get to puking. I want to say I hit it up, like, three times. Just bleh, bleh. And of course, if long-time listeners know that I'm not a pretty puker. I, I do the retching, the dry heaving, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in someone else's house doing all this. Oh, I feel so bad. Uh, but we made it through. I finally got a little bit of sleep. And, you know, moseyed on home. You know, now we're here today. Yay. Um, but yeah, I'm a little rough. A little rough. But overall, we're good. Figured I'd go ahead and get an episode in. So let me not keep you. Let's start with some news. Actually, no, I'm going to take a little bit of my break. Obviously, this is going to be uh, sponsored by water. The water break. (laughs) Um, And a secret second option. Actually, secret is a good segue into the news um, for this first one. Oh, look at me. Clever, clever. Uh, Let's see. From NPR. Pentagon Justice Department investigate as secret military documents appear online. Now, I got to say, I think I heard this story... Like, it started trickling in maybe Saturday night, Sunday. I can't quite remember. No, no, not Sunday. It is Sunday. Duh. So, it would have been, like, Friday, Saturday. And um, I was like, oh, ooh, that's interesting. Like, you know I love me some leaked docs. I wonder what this, this stuff's going to be. But it turns out it, it was mostly about, like, Ukraine, potential stuff coming up, a lot of numbers and things of that nature. And there was some news, or not news, but some documents on like China, stuff like that, but we can get into it a little bit. Uh, The Justice Department has joined the Pentagon in an urgent effort to determine how the secret military documents on the war in Ukraine made their way onto multiple social media sites. So we're talking Twitter, we're talking Discords, 4chan, which is crazy that people are still posting on that depraved fucking site. But more or less, this is just going all over. People are, you know, talking about it. I'm sure it's in some TikToks. Like, ooh, time to drop some of this shit. You know, influencers are going crazy right now. But let's see. A small number of documents, including some marked top secret, were found on Twitter and Telegram on Wednesday. So, yeah, I didn't start hearing about the story till like, the end of the week. Since then, journalists, researchers, and social media sleuths have uncovered additional classified documents posted as early as March 1st on additional sites. This raises a host of questions about how widespread the breach may be and how much damage it could cause. Also, that was something of note that more or less it didn't seem like, like it seemed like this is really real. Obviously, the Pentagon came out and confirmed that it was real, but... Let's see. Uh, military analysts say they believe the original versions of the documents were slightly altered in some instances. For example, one chart puts Ukrainian death toll at around 71 
thousand, and then a figure considered plausible. However, the chart also lists the Russian fatalities at sixteen thousand to seventeen thousand five hundred. The Russian count is believed to be much larger, though neither side releases overall casualty figures. So that's something to maybe indicate that this was maybe like a Russian-led operation, and maybe that the only point was just to to kind of do some chaos, you know, make some discord happen. Discourse happen. Discord? I want discord here. Discord, discourse. Ooh, put them both together. But, uh, I mean, it, it remains to be seen how valuable this is going to be. It does, like like I said, in terms of, like, some statistics and stuff, talks about, like, how the ammunition count is. But all these kind of things can correlate to what Zelensky is asking for, things of that nature. So, you know, how useful is this data? It does talk about uh, potential bridges that are being built and when they're going to be ready to be used in fighting. But once again, we all kind of know that there is going to be a surge in combat conflict. And, you know, now that spring is pretty much coming, things are thawing. So, you know, we'll see how things go. If they do find the culprits, I would be very, really interesting development. And if this is going to have any effect on the war, we shall see. From Politico, Texas judge halts FDA approval of abortion pill. So this is an update on the methapristone situation. A Texas federal judge ruled Friday evening to suspend the FDA's approval of methapristone, one of two drugs used together to cause an abortion, virtually banning the sale of the pills across the country. The decision, however, will not take effect for a week, giving higher courts time to consider the appeal the Biden administration filed Friday night and delaying for now the impact on hundreds of thousands of patients who use the medication both for abortions and treating miscarriages. The judge, uh, who is U.S. District Court Judge Matthew Kasmarkik uh, in Amarillo, he is a Texas uh, Trump-appointed judge and sided with anti-abortion medical groups that challenged the federal regulation of the drug, ruling that both the initial approval of the pills in 2000, as well as more recent FDA decisions allowing them to be prescribed via telemedicine, sent by mail and dispensed at retail pharmacies are unlawful. So this was a big deal. It effectively makes it a ban to sell these drugs and you know companies are gonna have to comply with that which is going to obviously then make abortion even harder in a post roe v wade world roe v roe v wade wade world it definitely is complicating the situation a lot obviously this judge come and this is you know we've talked about this earlier in the week when it comes to being a judge and how you are supposed to be this arbiter who is non-biased, but that's it's just in this day and age, that's just a joke. And I'm sure it's always been a joke, but I think it's just easier to spot it. You just, you see how these people move the groups that they work with along the way, even at this point, and then you just hear what they say and you can literally just copy and paste this person, this judge's remarks to anti-abortion, you know, anti-abortion, you know, people, groups, whatever. 
So this wasn't a surprise. Now it will be it is being appealed. So that, you know, is a good thing, right? Now there's also another side of this coin. Meanwhile, a Washington state federal judge issued a conflicting order Friday night that blocks the FDA from rolling back access to the pills, the pills in the dozen blue states that brought the lawsuit. The ruling from U.S. District Court Judge Thomas O. Rice, an appointee of the uh, Barack Obama administration, clashes with Kashmarks in that it orders the FDA to maintain the status quo, raising the likelihood that the issue could go before the Supreme Court. So I, I think that's pretty much inevitable that this is going to wind up at the Supreme Court, and we'll hear what they say. Obviously, that is a supercharged majority, so it doesn't look great in the long run either for this, like how this is going to go, how this is going to settle. I mean, if you're on the side that you just feel like women should have the right to have an abortion, you know, if you're new here and, you know, you're not hip to the, 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 how we feel, you know, on this podcast, that's what it is, sorry about it, but I I do think that, at least from the, um, the other side, I forget the name of the judge, Eric Baptiste, or not judge, uh, the attorney who was on the side of uh, anti-abortion. He really tried to attack the drug as like something that was like, it's a chemical-induced thing. It has a lot of adverse effects on the woman's body. It can do a lot of damage. But the kind of stuff he's talking about is statistically very low, and this is a very safe drug to use, and the alternatives are very few and far between and have a higher risk of problems. Uh, I do think, though, that there might be a counter, even if this does wind up going through, that they just wind up doing a one pill, but that only would slightly up the risk. But that being said, I'm sure there would just be more legalities down the pipeline of you know, trying to get that banned or restricted, whatever. It, it, it is sad that what is coming to pass is this is just an ongoing battle, you know? And I mean, no one is surprised. And I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, people are fighting for the right, at least in the protesting sense. But I, I definitely feel like this is one of those things where it's frustrating to see, you know, from a liberal, if you want to say like a democratic perspective, where you just see any and all of these democratic lawmakers, any and all of these, you know, like the Biden administration, it's a very defensive place that they always find themselves in time and time and time and time and time again. And, you know, all my life, any and all Democrats I've seen have just done that. They just do a lot of laying down, but they talk a big game and they keep asking for your donations and they want you to vote for them. But time and time again, you just see the other side, you know, the conservative right just constantly doggedly pursuing these causes that they have no matter how no, no matter what the aftermath might be any kind of repercussions they don't care and they are constantly attacking the things that they feel that are issues and they keep knocking and banging on the door until something falls down and i mean you can maybe say that that's a money thing because despite what people think about the liberal elite really the money that we, where it all flows is in a lot of conservative causes that being said, obviously, we're way off track from the article, so I'll try to, you know, get back on, back to the news. But it is one of those things where, like I said, I just, I find it disheartening to see that, you know, once again, after all the bluster from last year, 
you know, it's like, well, what are we going to do about it? And it's just, we just keep waiting for the next lawsuit to come down the pipe to try to strip more rights away from women. And that sucks. That's really fucking shitty. I, I hope that, you know, there's a change in that. Let's see. From Bazinga, which I got to say, not a big Bazinga fan in terms of articles, but hey, I'll take what's take what I can get. And this this sums what I need. Uh, it sums it up pretty nicely. Tesla ordered to pay $3.2 million in racial bias lawsuit. Elon Musk says verdict would have been zero with new evidence. Um, which I got to say just right off the top. Fuck. Obviously, this is a fuck Elon Musk. We Elon Musk haters. Truthfully, I just love talking my good shit. And it's been a while since I've, um, you know, said that good shit about this motherfucker. That being said, it's not really about him. This is about Owen Diaz. He was awarded $3.2 million. Uh, he was the doorman, uh, or not doorman, I'm sorry. He was the former elevator operator, and he was awarded $175,000 in emotional distress and $3 million in punitive damages. But he was initially, he had won in 2021, he had, was awarded $137 million by a different jury. But the judge at the time deemed the award excessive and ordered a new trial after Diaz rejected the reduced award of $15 million. So it's a, it's a shame. I personally can understand why Diaz didn't, uh, what some people might call, quit while you were ahead, take what you get while the getting was good. At the end of the day, to see a big number like that, especially for what you had to endure... Now, obviously, Elon Musk um, contests this. He says that it was a like a hyperbolized thing. I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but he says that the Tesla wasn't allowed to introduce all the evidence. If they were, then um, this would have been a different case, and it would have been zero dollars. And it's like, well, there's a reason that the judge probably threw this information out that you're referencing potentially or you're just making it up on twitter just so that you can defend yourself in the court of public opinion you know it's it's just stupid shit to me how he can just kind of run around and say whatever the fuck he wants and it just is what it is but it is good to see some kind of you know financial comp you know compensation awarded to someone you know who's been going through who had to go through um a kind of ordeal like this because I, I as a black man have had to go to work and live a life and you know either at work or at play I mean that these things can happen they can be the microaggressions or they can be on the macro and this is one of those things where if you just go and google you know racial lawsuit racial dem- uh, defamation yada 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 you know with Tesla you're gonna find some articles you're gonna find some people and you're gonna you're gonna hear some sad stories it is really unfortunate that this kind of thing happens. I'm not even going to sit there and say, like, oh, this is all and only Tesla, of course, like Elon Musk. Like, no, this is honestly, sadly, business as usual. This happens at big companies, small companies. You just, you get into these clicky kind of mentalities, and people like to go and find ways to yet again, you know, talk down on other people and, and be mean and... It just that kind of shit permeates everywhere, even a, a place as nice and clean as Tesla. So that some people might think, 
even though what these guys are just selling fucking RC cars, but whatever. Um, like I said, the verdict. Uh, also, I will add at least that in um, Elon Musk is spewing, he did say he does respect the decision. So you know, cool. I guess <laughs> based based Lord Musk, king of Twitter. Um, but yeah, yeah, they just go through all the stats. You know, little bullet points i guess you could say for bazinga so thank you for that let's see you got a couple more to get through from the insider a texas man bragged about stealing fifty thousand dollars from a mexican drug cartel he was kidnapped less than two hours later and is still missing obviously this is a very sad story eric tadio ramirez was overheard bragging on a phone call to an unknown woman about stealing money from a from the cartel de noreste noreste while he was at a house party in laredo a town close to the u.s border with mexico at about 11 p.m on march 23rd according to an affidavit reviewed by the laredo morning times i I just, I could not imagine the moxie. Uh, I don't even know if moxie is the right word. It just definitely doesn't feel smart. It doesn't feel brave to, one, take that kind of money. Well, no, 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 no. Let's just rewind it all the way back. Maybe this is me not being a real one and you can pull my car, punch my goddamn ticket. But are you telling me that there are cartel members partying at this a party or i know that they are going to be there that that's what this is about i'm going to laredo for that kind of hangout i'm not going to be there okay one it's hard to get me out of a 30 mile or a 30 minute radius to go wherever and if it's gonna get hostile i don't want to go i don't want a potential uh ra- a chance of death like no thank you no i'll pass i can just stay home and drink some beer and and just you know, go to sleep a little earlier. That would actually be great for me. Save a little money. Now, I got to say for Ramirez, he came up. He made some money that night. But at what cost? Because that's the number two. I definitely, if I found myself at this party and saw a whole thing of money like this, I'm not going to think that I could steal from these people. This to me is a fucking movie. This to me is like no country for old men like two like if if you tell me the story obviously I'll, I'll read a little bit more here what you know what happens next i'm just like yeah like it could, wouldn't be me this is crazy at about 12 45 a.m on march 24th a group of two or three masked men arrived at the location in a blue dodge pickup truck and assaulted ramirez before forcing him into the car the FBI said per the Morning Times. The car then crossed into Mexico about an hour later with video footage showing a man with a bloodied face trying to exit the passenger door while the ve- uh, passenger door of the vehicle while it was still in motion. He was pulled back inside the car. Hoof. Authorities determined that the car was registered to the mother of Jonathan Calvrales. Uh, Calvrales? I got that right. He had been arrested on a charge of kidnapping. The car was parked outside of his grandmother's Carvalho's uh, house in Nuevo, Nuevo Laredo, which is over the border in Mexico on the morning of March 24th. 
Carvales is believed to have stayed at the property overnight. A day later, on March 25th, FBI special agents spoke to two individuals at the address Ramirez was taken from, who said they witnessed Ramirez being kidnapped by two or three armed individuals. Uh, On the 27th, they obtained or detained Carvales after he crossed into the U.S. with the same Dodge pickup truck. But all he really can say from there is that he was there, it was about the money, and that's about it. And, I mean, the investigation is still ongoing. The rest of the men are still at large involved in the kidnapping. If, uh, obviously, if I hear anything about this, I will definitely update you guys. I hate to be the guy to say it, but this definitely does not look great. It feels pretty grim. You know, I don't know. I don't, I, 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 I. That's, that's all I can say. Uh, definitely would not be me, though. I'm sorry. I, you'd have to shove that money into my person. You'd have to bamboozle me with that. That, whew, that would be, you know what, that, that would be a terrible prank. And uh, potentially a lethal one. Which, you know, is something we're about to talk about here. Potentially lethal pranks. Which, to me, is any prank this day and No, 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 no. I hate that. I hate when I or anyone out there goes, oh, in this day and age, in these crazy times. No, this was a point-blank period thing. This is a very primal issue thing for me. Like, this is timeless, what we're about to talk about. And this is, pranks are bad. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm an anti-pranker. That's where I am. I'm going to come out and reveal another truth. I'm anti-jalapeno popper, and I'm anti-prank. Sorry about it. You can come for me. No, don't actually don't come for me. Because you guys would be some merry little fucking pranksters. I I see you. I mm, no. Not not in this house. Not in this dojo. Anyway, let me take my break. All right. From CBS News, YouTuber known—oh, <coughs> well, there it is. YouTuber known for pranks shot in the abdomen while filming at mall. Suspect arrested. So yeah, I'm not a pranker. I'm anti-prank. I couldn't even go to the Classified Goons YouTube channel. There was a a thing. I'm like, I'm not giving these people the clicks. Hell no. Uh, these guys got, I think, 41.1k subscribers, so they're doing well. But a YouTuber known for pranking people was shot at a Washington, D.C. area mall on Sunday. Tanner Cook, who appears on Classified Goons, a YouTube channel, said he was uh, playing a prank when a man shot him. Now, I'm not sure exactly what the extent of the prank was, but Cook comes up to... And Cook, who is 21 years old, comes up to Alan W. Cawley, who is 31 years old, and proceeds to have this, like, interview-style kind of conversation. I don't know. And this is also not just pranksters, because I'm going to—we have a little sub-tangent I want to talk about, too. Influencers. Small-change little motherfucking-ass influencers. Cut it out. Stop it. You're cringy as fuck. Like, why are you trying to interview people at one, a mall, when they're trying to shop? 
to a Walmart where they're trying to just interact. Why are you trying to film people's butt cracks? Like, don't you realize how weird that is? Just, just for a moment, like, it's strange to do the, the things that people will do for some attention and some clicks. And I get it. When these clicks drive monetization, then it's it's literally worth it. I, I get it. But it, to me, that's just not what I am looking for. That's not something that I even enjoy. And I know people will go, well, you know what? I'm a big fan of like the impractical jokers or whatever. And I, I, I'll give them their, their flowers in the sense of I think they have a good setup in terms of it's not too like they pick good people for it and they don't go over the top or whatever but there are some times where i think people can start with a good-natured prank and then it can just wind up going wrong and in that i say well you're playing with fire you're playing with fucking hot fire and some of these they let's see um i'll read a quote from cook here i was playing a prank and a simple practical joke and this guy didn't take it very well. Um, he added the shooter didn't say anything. And his friend was rolling the camera. But instead of responding, I guess he just pulls out and just shoots him. And he gets shot right in the stomach. This is all on camera. I did at least check the uh, like the Twitter photos that got posted of it. Uh, I didn't see any of the interaction itself, but just like the aftermath and then also the cops coming in because the cops obviously come in like SWAT style pretty quickly. It's really intense. Uh, Kali, you know, is arrested. I think, um, I know he has, uh, what is it? He's charged with aggravated malicious wounding, use of a firearm in commission of a felony and discharging a firearm within a building. Now, I don't want to come off as pro-violence here. I definitely don't want to say that, oh, th this this cook guy had it coming. If you're simply fi find yourself in, in these kind of situations, just walk away. Just walk away. I just, just, you just ignore it. I, I've kind of realized, too, that this hasn't happened to me. I haven't been, you know, pranked or been in any kind of these, like, TikTok-y, online-y, you know, interview-y things. Thank God. I because it just makes me wary of people. Like the whole just atmosphere now I feel is more charged in that regard where I'm like, if I see some weird things happening on the street or in a moment, I'm like, is this real? Is this some stage thing? Cause that's another thing too, where it's like, I also respect the people who are setting up these things to look like real pranks, but really they're just sketches. They're just bits that people are doing in public. That's a little bit better. Granted, depends on whatever the material is. Uh, that can go from pranking to rage baiting, you know, internet's a wild place. You know, if you like it, you like it. Uh, I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum here. And if it gets you some money, like I said, get your bag. But I don't know, at what cost? That being said, I, I am glad that Cook looks like he's going to pull through here. It looks like he's going to be okay. He says that he is undaunted and um, he has no ill will. They, they do take this like religious shtick, I feel like. Uh, it's not so much, I think, in this article, but they're like, oh, yeah, we're very blessed and, you know, we're just happy to be out there. I don't know. It, the family's vibe is fine because they interview, what is it, Cook's father, Jeremy Cook. Uh, he says that the YouTubers are trying to have fun and the shooting was unnecessary. There was a phone that was around him and they were interviewing him or interviewing or talking to him. And he didn't like it, and he pulled out his gun and shot my son. The two did not know each other prior to the incident. So, once again, just kind of showing, like, this was definitely, like, a real interaction that was, 
you know, that happened and a real life moment happened. But yeah, Cook says he's uh, has no ill will and will not stop making his videos. So I guess keep on keep on pranking or whatever. <laughs> Buyer beware. I don't know. But thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you so, so, so much. And hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.